Hi, everyone. Welcome back to JCM Prepare the Way. My name is Carol, and I want to thank you for tuning back into our series, Israel's Anointing. We are trying to bring you biblical insight into God's heart and purpose for Israel. And today is episode three, the land of Israel, known as the crossroads of the world. Many people have been disconnected from the inner workings of the Middle East for years now, especially pertaining to issues between Arab countries and Israel. Sometimes the history in that area can seem so complicated that we just ignore it altogether. But those who are paying attention often do so with predisposed sentiments towards one side of the story or the other, sometimes behaving negatively towards the other side. Most of us don't recognize when we have a negative predisposition until it is triggered by something, maybe a situation or a conversation or perhaps even the nudges of the Holy Spirit. And so in our genuine desire to agree with God and find ourselves on the right side of his story, as Christians, it's important that we ask him to give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in all of the matters that are unfolding across the world and that he shines a light into our own hearts and maybe show us our own blind spots concerning these things, but to do it through the truth of his word. When Joshua met the angel of the Lord, he desperately asked, Are you for us or for our adversaries? In other words, are you with us or them? The Lord's answer came quick and sharp. Neither, but as commander of the Lord's army, I have come. Perhaps that needs to be our position. Perhaps we need to put a different lens on so that we can grasp through God's word the whole story of what is truly unfolding in Israel and key nations surrounding it right now. It's not just Israel that God is using to fulfill the purposes of his story. There are two other nations in particular that have consistently been used by him to escort Israel into her identity and destiny. And those are the nations of Egypt and ancient Persia, which is modern-day Iran. And I'll go more into that in a different episode. Geographically, the Bible is set in the land of Israel. Historically, its theme is the people of Israel. And so from cover to cover of your Bible, with the exception of New Testament writings that take the gospel into places like Greece and Italy, it mainly involves people places, and events from nations in the Middle East. Sometimes we can overlook a fact so simple like that and so obvious, yet once we grasp it, it gives a new clarity and cohesiveness to the whole Bible. To understand the land of Israel, we need to go back to those first five books of the Bible because there we discover that the origins of human history lie in an area that today is referred to as the Fertile Crescent. It is a region in the Middle East that literally shaped the history of civilization, so much so that it is often called the Cradle of Civilization. If you were to look look at a map of the Middle East today, you would see a shaded area called the Fertile Crescent, given its name because of its boomerang shape or new moon shape. It is an area of fertile land in the Middle East that extends from the eastern Mediterranean in northern Egypt, up the coast through ancient Canaan, which is Israel, up to ancient Phoenicia, which is Lebanon, 
crossing through ancient Assyria and then down through ancient Mesopotamia. Now, ancient Assyria today is divided among Iraq, Iran, Syria, and Turkey. And ancient Mesopotamia today is divided among Iraq, Syria, Kuwait, and part of Turkey. So in a nutshell, the Fertile Crescent takes you from northern Egypt all the way around into modern-day Iraq and Iran. Now in your Bible, key places such as Goshen in Egypt, where the Israelites settled, or Jerusalem, or the Galilee, or Nineveh, or Babylon in Ur, where Abraham is from, would all have been in this Fertile Crescent region. In fact, almost every key story in your Bible takes place in this cradle of civilization. Considering the nations that are singled out in the Fertile Crescent and how they are considered just that, the cradle of civilization, you can imagine now the rich history, the culture, and the religious loyalty that each of these places carry. Now, located at each end of the Fertile Crescent are two distinct bookends in terms of geography and historical influence. You have Egypt to the west, and in early history, Babylon to the east. In the ancient world, and in your Bible, Egypt and Babylon were the two centers of power. They were the east and west superpowers at that time. And when these world powers would go to war, they had to choose between which route they would take to get to each other. Either they traveled the desert or they traveled a route in the Fertile Crescent. The desert was not an ideal route because there would be little to no resources to provide respite for the animals or the armies. So they used the route that took them along the Fertile Crescent. There they could find food and water, shade, and plenty of resources to replenish supplies because the routes along the Fertile Crescent were heavily traveled trade routes. And then finding themselves sandwiched right in between these two superpowers was the land of Canaan, the promised land, the land of Israel. So armies and traders used the same routes along the Fertile Crescent to get from one place to another. To travel from what we know today as Turkey or Greece, heading to Arabia, for example, would take the traveler down the coastal road route of the Mediterranean and then cross an area near Mount Carmel and then after passing Mount Carmel they would then cross over what's called the Jezreel Valley which is in your Bible which was a large plain an inland valley in northern Israel and then they would make their way to the Jordan River cross over the river and then continue on to Arabia. Similarly If one was traveling from Egypt to Babylon, they would take the coastal route up along the Mediterranean, cross over that Jezreel Valley again, up through Capernaum to Damascus, and then head eastward. And these heavily traveled routes all converged in a region of Israel that we Christians are quite familiar with. They converged in the Galilee region, where Jesus conducted much of his ministry. This is why Galilee is called the Galilee of the nations. It's where the world traveled through, giving Israel the nickname, the crossroads of the world. And what happens when you are the crossroads of the world? You are bound to get trampled. 
Now, the Valley of Jezreel is also called the Valley of Esdraelon in the Book of Judges, but it is also known as the Valley of Megiddo because the actual crossroads is at a little hill named Megiddo. And Megiddo in the Hebrew is Har Megiddo, where we get the word Armageddon. This is why many believe that this particular valley will be the location of the battle of Armageddon, spoken of in Revelation. Now, overlooking this valley was a little village on a hill called Nazareth. In those days, you could sit on the hillside of this village overlooking the valley of Jezreel and literally watch the world go by. All the traders, all the soldiers. Imagine all the nationalities of the world coming through this little area. Imagine also if Jesus just so happened to sit on that hillside from time to time, watching all the nationalities of the world cross through but also look upon the valley where these same nations would ultimately gather in a final war against him. So in your Bible, stories like the wedding of Cana or the story of the Shunammite woman's son coming back to life in the Old Testament or the story of the woman of Nain in the New Testament whose son Jesus brought back to life and the location of the palace of King Ahab and Queen Jezebel and the death of Jezebel and the murder of Naboth when he refused to give King Ahab his vineyard, or the beheading of King Ahab's sons, or the story of the prophetess Deborah, and then Barak, both of them defeating Sisera, and then Gideon's defeat of the Midianites and the Amalekites, and where King Saul was defeated by the Philistines, and so many more. They all took place in this area. Jerusalem was further south in the Judean hills, being a little more isolated and very Jewish. So you had the international area of Israel in the north, and then you had the Jewish area in the south. And this is the land where God decided he planted, he wanted to plant his people, Israel. He planted them at the crossroads of the world a place where the nations of the world would pass through and see a people God had chosen to model his kingdom on earth. The God of Israel would be unlike any other God they would have experienced in their own lands, which is why they feared him. The world could see what it looked like to be blessed by God, but also cursed by him. The peak of Israel's glory was during the reign of King David, and then the building of the magnificent temple by his son Solomon. But then it all went downhill from there. Due to their rebellion, they lost their land and were sent into exile in Babylon. They returned only to be cast out of their land years later during the Roman Empire in the first century. And after that, for the next 2,000 years, the nations of the world trampled the Holy Land of God underfoot. After the Romans was the Byzantines, followed by the Arabs, which was that first Muslim period in the 7th century because Islam was not formed until the 7th century, followed by the Crusader period, then the Mamluks, then the Ottomans, and finally the British Empire during World War I, until 1948, when a miracle happened and God's people found themselves the opportunity to return to their land. And since then, God continues to make them 
the crossroads to the world, making them the world leader in biotechnology, medicine, agriculture, manufacturing, and leading the world in startups through an innovative ecosystem. Returning to a land after 2,000 years, they entered into a place that had been trampled, abused, and neglected. Even Mark Twain once described it as a desolate country whose soil is rich enough, but is given over wholly to weeds. It is a silent, mournful expanse, he says. There was hardly a tree or a shrub anywhere. Even the olive and the cactus, those fast friends of the worthless soil, had almost deserted the country. Today, that has all changed. Over the centuries, the Jewish people had developed a set of survival characteristics that allowed them to flourish in areas that were left desolate. With limited resources available at hand, they found new innovative ways of developing in an optimized manner. They literally changed the landscape of Israel in a short 75-year period of time. Economists today are still scratching their heads, trying to figure out the secrets of what make Israel, what makes Israel, a country with only 9 million people, to have so much success in a short period of time. Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's God, the God of Israel. He's behind this because it's time. His prophetic words in scripture are being fulfilled before her very eyes, and many are missing it. Many in the church are missing it. He is going to show the world that he watches over his word to perform it, and that his covenant with Abraham, a covenant that involves land, has not nor ever will cease. So whether it's wars, whether it's economic policies or tourism to visit holy sites, Israel is still the crossroads of the world. Thank you for tuning in today. In our next episode, we begin to look at the family story that started it all for the Jewish and Arab people. God bless you. Mm-hmm.